Chapter Seven, Part Three of *The Many-Sided Franklin* by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Seven: Relations with the Fair Sex, Part Three. Another well-known salon of which Franklin was a frequenter was that of Madame Helvetius, by her friends styled Our Lady of Atuel. She was the widow of the well-known French scientist, who had left her a large property, which enabled her to give a comfortable home to a French priest and to several cats. Madame H. appears to have been a very beautiful woman when young, Miss Adams records, but at the time Franklin knew her, a French lady compared her to the ruins of Palmyra. This may have been the eyesight of her own sex, for she does not seem to have found favor with them, if we may judge from a description written by Mrs. John Adams. Quote, she entered the room with a careless, jaunty air. Upon seeing ladies who were strangers to her, she bawled out, Ah, mon Dieu, where is Franklin? Why did you not tell me there were ladies here? You must suppose her speaking all this in French. How do I look? said she, taking hold of a chemise made of tiffany, which she had on over a blue lute string, and which looked as much upon the decay as her beauty, for she was once a handsome woman. Her hair was frizzled, over it she had a small straw hat, with a dirty gauze half-handkerchief round it, and a bit of dirtier gauze than ever my maids wore was bowed on behind. She had a black gauze scarf thrown over her shoulders. She ran out of the room. When she returned, the doctor entered at one door, she at the other, upon which she ran forward to him, caught him by the hand, alas, Franklin, then gave him a double kiss, one upon each cheek, and another upon his forehead. When we went into the room to dine, she was placed between the doctor and Mr. Adams. She carried on the chief of the conversation at dinner, frequently locking her hands into the doctor's, and sometimes spreading her arms upon the backs of both the gentlemen's chairs, then throwing her arm carelessly upon the doctor's neck. I should have been greatly astonished at this conduct if the good doctor had not told me that in this lady I should see a genuine Frenchwoman wholly free from affectation or stiffness of behavior, and one of the best women in the world. For this I must take the doctor's word, but I would have set her down for a very bad one, although sixty years of age and a widow. I own I was highly disgusted, and never wish for an acquaintance with any lady of this caste. After dinner she threw herself upon a settee, where she showed more than her feet. She had a little lap-dog, who was, next to the doctor, her favorite. This she kissed, and when he wet the floor, she wiped it up with her chemise. This is one of the doctor's most intimate friends, with whom he dines once every week, and she with him. She is rich, and is my near neighbor, but I have not yet visited her. Thus you see, my dear, that manners differ exceedingly in different countries." I hope, however, to find amongst the French ladies manners more consistent with my ideas of decency, or I shall be a mere recluse. End quote. Of this description we get an amusing echo from little Miss Adams, for she confided in her journal, quote, Dined at Mr. Franklin's by invitation, a number of gentlemen and Madame Helvetius, a French lady sixty years of age. Odious, indeed, do our sex appear when divested of those ornaments with which modesty and delicacy adorn us. End quote. 
in however much disfavor madame helvetius may have been with women franklin was undoubtedly sincere in his admiration for he speaks of her as his fair friend at atuel who still possesses health and personal charms and he complimented her by asserting that quote, statesmen philosophers historians poets and men of learning of all sorts are drawn round you and seem as willing to attach themselves to you as straws about a fine piece of amber End quote. as for himself he declared mr franklin never forgets any party at which madame helvetius is expected he even believes that if he were engaged to go to paradise this morning he would pray for permission to remain on earth until half-past one to receive the embrace promised him at the turgots i have often remarked he wrote her spiritual confessor in reading the works of madame helvetius that although we were born and educated in two countries so remote from each other we have often been inspired with the same thoughts and it is a reflection very flattering to me that we have not only loved the same studies but as far as we have mutually known them the same friends and the same woman to cabanas too who at one time was her guest he wrote letters to be shown to Madame Helvetius, couched in terms that today would be deemed insultingly suggestive, but which then seemed to be thought the height of gallantry. Although the fact that the widow kept in her bedroom, upon a table, under a glass, a monument erected to the memory of her husband, over which hung his picture, which was very handsome, should have warned the philosopher, he none the less sought to win her love, and his letter pleading a reversal of her negative is one of the most amusing he ever penned. Quote, Mortified at the barbarous resolution pronounced by you so positively yesterday evening that you would remain single the rest of your life as a compliment due to the memory of your husband, I retired to my chamber. Throwing myself upon my bed, I dreamt that I was dead and was transported to the Elysian fields. I was asked whether I wished to see any persons in particular, to which I replied that I wished to see the philosophers. There are two who live here at hand in this garden, they said. They are good neighbors and very friendly towards one another. Who are they? Socrates and Helvetius. I esteem them both highly, but let me see Helvetius first, because I understand a little French, but not a word of Greek. I was conducted to him. He received me with much courtesy, having known me, he said, by character some time past. He asked me a thousand questions relative to the war, the present state of religion, of liberty, of the government in France. You do not inquire, then, said I, after your dear friend, Madame Helvetius, yet she loves you so exceedingly. I was in her company not more than an hour ago. Ah, said he, you make me recur to my past happiness, which ought to be forgotten in order to be happy here. For many years I could think of nothing but her, though at length I am consoled. I have taken another wife, the most like her that I could find. She is not indeed altogether so handsome, but she has a great fund of wit and good sense, and her whole study is to please me. She is at this moment gone to fetch the best nectar and ambrosia to regale me. Stay here a while, and you will see her. I perceive, said I, that your former friend is more faithful to you than you are to her. She has had several good offers, but has refused them all. I will confess to you that I loved her extremely, but she was cruel to me, and rejected me peremptorily for your sake. 
i pity you sincerely said he for she is an excellent woman handsome and amiable as he finished these words the new madame helvetius entered with the nectar and i recognized her immediately as my former american friend mrs franklin i reclaimed her but she answered me coldly i was a good wife to you for forty-nine years and four months nearly half a century let that content you i have formed a new connection here which will last to eternity indignant at this refusal of my eurydice i immediately resolved to quit those ungrateful shades and return to this good world again and behold the sun and you here i am let us avenge ourselves the lady was however unpersuadable yet the friendship suffered no diminution and after franklin returned to america she welcomed increase of years because quote, we shall meet the sooner and the sooner shall we find one another with all we have loved i a husband and you a wife but i believe that you who have been a rogue coquin will find more than one end quote another frenchwoman to whom franklin offered more than his friendship was a madame brillon and it is easy to believe him as genuinely attracted for she was not merely young but miss adams reports her as one of the handsomest women in france moreover madame brillon was married to a man far older than herself who yet was not faithful to her and she was perfectly open to franklin about her marital unhappiness my father she confided to him marriage in this country is made by weight of gold on one end of the scale is placed the fortune of a boy on the other that of a girl when equality is found the affair is ended to the satisfaction of the relatives one does not dream of consulting taste age congeniality of character one marries a young girl whose heart is full of youth's fire and its cravings to a man who has used them up then one exacts that this woman be virtuous my friend this story is mine and of how many others i shall do my best that it may not be that of my daughters but alas shall i be mistress of their fate indeed had not her adopted parent been a man of over seventy the conditions were all in favor of one of the so-called romances so common in france and there is no doubt that despite his years he would have been willing to have had it so but though madame brillon gave franklin quote, my word of honor that i will be your wife in paradise on condition that you do not ogle the maidens too much while waiting for me end quote she assured him that in this world i shall always be a gentle and virtuous woman and continuing she begged him not to tempt her further but to try to make me a strong one perhaps this miracle is reserved for you i had a father she told him the kindest of men he was my first and my best friend i lost him untimely you have often said to me could i not take the place of those whom you regret and you told me the custom of certain savages who adopt the prisoners that they capture in war and make them take the place of the relatives whom they lose you took in my heart the place of the father whom i so loved and respected the cruel grief i felt in his loss is changed to a gentle melancholy which is dear to me and which i owe to you in me you have gained another child another friend i commenced by having for you the worship that all the world owes to a great man and i had a curiosity to see you 
my pride was flattered to receive you in my own house next i only saw in you your sole responsiveness to affection your goodness your simplicity and i said this man is so good he will love me and i began to love you much that you might do the same to me in good faith franklin accepted the friendship she was willing to give and the two saw much of each other it becoming his regular custom to spend two evenings in the week with her when she entertained him with little concerts a cup of tea and a game of chess very frequently her ill health compelled a suspension of these and then they corresponded franklin writing a number of his most charming bagatelles solely for the invalid's amusement one amusing glimpse of the manners of the times is to be found in an apology he made her having received news that she was confined by her ailment though he himself was suffering from the gout he sent her word that i shall betake myself to your house my dear girl to-morrow morning with great pleasure and if you cannot come down without difficulty perhaps i shall be strong enough to climb your stairway the wish to see you will give me more strength interest in chess however made him forget that he was calling upon a weak woman and so quote, on reaching home i was surprised to find that it was almost eleven o'clock i fear that by forgetting all else in our too great absorption in the game of chess we have greatly incommoded you by detaining you so long in the bath tell me my dear friend how you are this morning never hereafter shall i consent to begin a game in your bathroom can you forgive me this indiscretion in reply mrs brillon assured him my good papa your visits never caused me any inconvenience all those around me respect you love you and think themselves honored in the friendship you have granted us i told you that the world criticized the sort of familiarity which existed among us because i was warned of it i despise slanderers and am at peace with myself but that is not enough one must submit to what is called propriety that word varies in each century in each country to sit less often on your knees i shall certainly love you none the less nor will our hearts be more or less pure but we shall close the mouth of the malicious and it is no slight thing even for the sage to make them silent then as if feeling that she must hold out a pleasanter prospect she further wrote i think about our arrangements in paradise perhaps you will be allowed a little more freedom towards me if by good luck the angels are not corrupted by the spinsters as i fear greatly everywhere morals are so bad do you know my dear papa that people have criticized my pleasant habit of sitting on your lap and yours of asking me for what i always refuse one sees harm in everything in this miserable country it is pleasant to record that among these malicious people m brillon was not included for he maintained an intimate friendship with franklin and on one occasion wrote him quote, you have surely just kissed my wife my dear doctor permit me to return it to you End quote. however platonic the relation might be in the eyes of madame brillon franklin was now and then called upon to apologize for or extenuate what she styled quote, that gaiety that gallantry which makes all women love you End quote. 
what a difference my dear friend between you and me he said you find in me innumerable faults while in you i only see one but this perhaps is the fault of my spectacles i mean that kind of avarice which makes you monopolize all my affection and not to permit me any towards the charming ladies of your country you imagine that my affection cannot be divided without being diminished you are mistaken and you forget the playful way with which you check me you disclaim and totally exclude all that our love might have of fleshly in permitting me only some courteous and virtuous salutes such as you might give to some little cousins how much do i benefit from it then that i may not do as much to others without lessening what belongs to you you have taught me to know and to practice a wicked sin which we call jealousy she replied but that this was a playful assertion is shown by her telling him on one occasion to give this evening to my amiable rival madame helvetius kiss her for yourself and for me and upon another by granting him a quote, power of attorney to kiss for me until my return whenever you see them my two neighbors le villiard and my pretty neighbor carriolat furthermore when madame helvetius after franklin's departure for america exclaimed to her ah that great man that poor dear man we shall see him no more madame brillon retorted it is entirely your fault madame yet if thus willing to share his society with other women madame brillon eagerly craved his companionship Quote, come to-morrow to take tea come every wednesday and saturday come as often as you wish my heart calls you expects you is attached to you for life she besought him and again she took him to task because you pass a wednesday then without me actually and you will say after that i love you furiously in excess and i my good papa who do not love you furiously but very tenderly not in excess i love you enough to be sorry not to see you every time it is possible to me or to you which loves the more and the better of us twain yet a third time she wrote to-morrow i expect my good papa the pleasure of seeing him increases my well-being and makes me forget my ills when i am sick if papa sometimes sees me melancholy he knows that that is the habit the tendency of tender hearts he may say she amuses me less than another woman but i flatter myself that my papa will add she loves me better she alone than all the other women put together farewell to you whom my heart loved from the first instant of our acquaintance until to-morrow and any day that your friendship will spare to your daughter when at last the time came for franklin to return to america she made a really touching farewell quote, i had so full a heart yesterday in leaving you that i feared for you and myself a grief-stricken moment which could only add to the pain which our separation causes me without proving to you further the tender and unalterable affection that i have vowed to you for always every day of my life i shall recall that a great man a sage was willing to be my friend my wishes will follow him everywhere my heart will regret him incessantly incessantly i shall say i passed eight years with dr franklin they have flown and i shall see him no more nothing in the world could console me for this loss except the thought of the peace and happiness that you are about to find in the bosom of your family End quote. 
another attachment and another disappointment are told of by john adams who writing of a daughter of monsieur de boulainvilliers who was styled mademoiselle de passe and was certainly one of the most beautiful young ladies i ever saw in france said quote, mr franklin who at the age of seventy odd had neither lost his love of beauty nor his taste for it called mademoiselle de passe his favorite and his flame and his love which flattered the family and did not displease the young lady after the marquis de tonnerre had demanded mademoiselle for a wife and obtained her madame de charmant who was a wit the first time she saw franklin cried out Hélas! tous les conducteurs de monsieur franklin n'ont pas empêché les tonnerres de tomber sur mademoiselle de passe as franklin had tried to arrange matches for both his son and daughter so he endeavored in these years in france to make a match between his grandson william temple and a daughter of madame brillon but the parents quote, though it would be dear to my heart and very agreeable to monsieur brillon to have been able to form a union which would make us but one family and though we love your son and believe he has everything required to make a distinguished man and to make a woman happy end quote, refused their consent because quote, we must have a son-in-law who can be in a condition to fill my husband's place and a man of our religion let us love one another she advised and try to forget a plan which to remember would only cause regrets or never to recall it save to be still more sure if it be possible of the esteem and friendship we all have for each other apparently franklin the philosopher was doomed to failure as a matchmaker though his advocacy of marriage was so well known that his own daughter wrote him quote, as i know my dear papa likes to hear of weddings i will give him a list of my acquaintance that have entered the matrimonial state since his departure turning from these half romances it is pleasant to find him doing what he could for women for whom there could be neither sentiment nor friendship to sarah randolph widow of the loyalist who wrote to him from the deptford poorhouse he sent money to relieve her from the worst of her distress a more striking service still was for the widow of an old personal enemy in his political career in pennsylvania he had no bitterer antagonists than thomas and richard penn the proprietors of pennsylvania who had fought him with every known weapon but after the revolution when lady juliana penn appealed to him quote, begging his assistance and protection in the recovery of the rights and possessions of an unfortunate family who have so heavily felt the misfortunes of this war and who are likely still to be dreadful sufferers and in confidence of your well-known wisdom and generosity i adopt you for the guardian of william penn's grandchild he did not fail her but did what he could to obtain a restoration of the penn lands to that family a glance enclosing at franklin's views on women in general is worth taking how he advised that they be taught accounts has already been noted and he had his own daughter instructed in french and music though he grieved that she should not be a little more careful in her spelling to an englishman he boasted that american women could converse upon most subjects 
even while he told his wife that you are very prudent not to engage in party disputes women should never meddle with them except in endeavors to reconcile their husbands brothers and friends who happen to be of contrary sides if your sex keep cool you may be a means of cooling ours the sooner and restoring more speedily that social harmony among fellow-citizens that is so desirable after long and bitter dissensions miss adams states that he told me he preferred an english lady who had acquired the graces of french manners which he added were to be gained nowhere but at paris that was the centre and there they were all collected and resided i believe he was here right there is something not to be defined that the french women possess which when it ornaments and adorns an english lady forms something irresistibly charming perhaps these views account for poor richard's groan is it not enough plagues wars and famines rise to lash our crimes but must our wives be wise end of chapter seven